Dear Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in this space. God, I thank you for what you're doing in everyone's heart here today. God, we just give you this time, and we ask that you'd meet us here. In Jesus' name. Uh, I'm going to be reading the scripture, um, so if you'd all remain standing. Of course, I put the thing in there so that I would be all prepared, and uh, it's, now it's hard. Uh, so Mark 1, 32 through 39. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout. Sorry. The region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Thank you, Toby. Is it on? There we go. I think it's on. Perfect. Elijah, thank you for leading us in the worship. Everyone can be seated. Thank you. All right. So uh, this week you get me as we begin our practice in solitude. Um, I think many of us are excited for this. Some of us are probably apprehensive because that means we have to actually, you know, try to be alone with our thoughts and Sometimes we may not like what we may have in our, inside of our head, but it's okay. You're all going to survive. We'll do it together. Amen? Okay. All right. So we live in a time and a day and age where many of us are probably aware that we are just bombarded. We're bombarded by this device. I have mine up here because I use it to play music, but by this rectangular device right here, our cell phones. We're constantly bombarded by a 24-hour news cycle that just won't stop. Apple News, try, they try to limit it to only sending me three notifications a day, but that's still more than what I probably want to ha receive in my given week. We're bombarded by social media notifications, Instagram, Facebook, what it's called X now, not Twitter, not the tweets, but X. Um, we're just bombarded by text messages, phone calls, emails, uh, fantasy football notifications, which, by the way, Toby, you're going down this week, I hope. <laughs> Unless Tua didn't play very well, then I might be in trouble. Um, I mean, oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for that update, Josh. <sighs> All right. But we've never actually been more plugged into what is going on within the world than we are in today's modern day. We have instant access to anything that we want to find out by that rectangular device, by this rectangular, bigger rectangular device. We're just plugged in to whatever it is that the world has to let us know. And as a result, we're also more unplugged at times from the one that we should actually be plugged into the one that we should actually be receiving input of our value, input of our worth, input of who it is that we are called to be, that we have been made to be. According to review.com, which I was decided to just look this up because statistics, I always struggle with that word, even when I was in statistics in high school, statistics are always nice to see, but with this device, and the ones that we carry in our phones, or in our pockets, our phones in our pockets. On average, the average American will look at their phone 144 times per day. That's actually an improvement from last year when it was over 300. So we've gotten a little bit better as a society. 89% of Americans will look at their phone within 10 minutes of waking up, within 10 minutes. 
75% are extremely uneasy if we leave that rectangular device at home. Another 75% will use their phone on the toilet. Right here, I do it. I'm guilty. 69% of us will text someone that's in the same exact room. I don't know if Instagram counts for sending reels and, and stuff like that, uh, but I'd probably be guilty of that as well. 60% of us will sleep with our phone. I don't know if that meant actually holding onto it while we sleep, or if it's on the bed right next to us, or on the nightstand. I don't know what the parameter was for that. I think that might be a little bit unfair because my phone is also my alarm clock, and so I don't think it's fair to cast judgment on that part. Or else I wouldn't wake up for work at four o'clock in the morning. 55% will say that they are addicted to their phone. And 55% cannot go a full 24 hours without picking up that device. On average, us Americans will spend four hours and 25 minutes on our phones every single day, which equates to two months of our year. In 2023, we will spend on that phone. That is one-sixth of a year we'll spend looking at the screen on a phone. We are never more plugged into the outside world and unplugged from God. So why should we look at beginning a practice of solitude now? Well, if you fall in any of those categories, it's a sobering reality that we are unplugged from our God, the one whom we claim to love more than life itself. And it's not just our phones and tablets that will distract us throughout our day. You know, we can have, that doesn't include the times in which we were watching TV. You know, before the phone, TV was the biggest detractor for Americans. Maybe it's books or video games if, if you know you have the time uh, additional hobbies podcasts music we find anything and everything that we can to distract ourselves and keep our focus and our attention our attention span has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller as the years go on i think i saw a statistic where we actually have a shorter attention span now than a goldfish a goldfish. And while all of these distractions are not inherently bad, there's nothing wrong with what Steve Jobs did with introducing the iPhone back in 2007, the iPad in 2010, the television back in whenever that was. I, I didn't do that research. But there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those. What is wrong, though, is when we put so much of our attention and so much of our focus into those things that we are not making any space and any time for the Holy Spirit to sit at Jesus' feet, to be in his presence. Our modern day's noise pollution is overstimulating and actually harmful to our bodies. Our anxiety levels are up, stress levels are up, we have all of these out, uh, external and outside inputs coming in to where we're more stressed, we're more anxious. And just like why it's important for us to actually observe and take Sabbath, a Sabbath day, we need to actually make sure that we're making space in our daily lives to rest and abide in the love of the Father, to rest and sit at Jesus' feet which solitude gives us that opportunity. I'm going to pray because I also want to get my water. Jesus, thank you so much that you've provided a way for us to hear from you, to sit at your feet, 
Let's try to listen to what it is that you have to say to us. Lord, speak to us now because we're listening. We want to hear what it is that you have to say. In your name we pray. Amen. So first, let's just touch base on what solitude isn't. If I say solitude, what's the first thing that comes to some of your minds? This will be our Q&A session because I'm not going to have a Q&A at the end. But what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think solitude? Alone? alone? Just being alone? Okay. Unplugged. Say, unplugged? Okay. Peace and quiet? Okay. What else? Isolation. Isolation. Some of, it is some of that, but it's not all of that. You see, solitude isn't about when you hear the monks living on an island all by themselves. It's not a, a life of um, solitude 24 hours a day. It's not the life of a hermit or a recluse who doesn't actually engage with the community at all. That's not what solitude is. It's not some new age meditation to where you center yourself on what it is that the universe is trying to tell you, which a lot of people in Portland will probably say that's what solitude should be. It's not being alone just for the sake of being alone, or as many of the introverts will like to say, a little me time. And it's not a life of isolation. Because a life of isolation will actually lead into a life of loneliness. Solitude isn't about any of those. But at its heart, what solitude really is, is for us to have intentional time where we will be quiet. We will, we will still ourselves to be with God. It's intentional time for us to be in the quiet, to be with our Creator, where we will listen to what it is that the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to us. We make time and we carve it out to allow for Him to speak. Solitude is us abiding and communing with God, being intentional about having space to do so. It's an opportunity for us to bring all of who we are, our mind, our bodies, and our soul, into an encounter with God. Ruth Haley Barton says, Solitude, at its most basic and profound level, is simply an opportunity to be ourselves with God. It is a time where we can Lament, if need be, when we, talked, when we did our prayer practice. It's okay to cast all of your cares and all of your burdens at the feet of Jesus. Solitude is a great opportunity for you to do that. It's for us to bring all the crazy stuff that we have going on in our heads. Like, Jesus, will you take this? Or the hurts that are within our body, Jesus, will you take this? It's an opportunity for us to just bring everything that we are at his feet. It is alone time, but it's not alone time for just you. It's alone time for you to be with God. You see, Jesus, as we saw in Mark, has this pattern. He models solitude. in a pattern that we should also follow as well. When evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out demons. He was not permitting demons to speak because they knew who he was. See, Jesus, when he models solitude, he shows that he's also doing what we all do. We have lives that we live. We go out into the world and we engage with the world. Jesus was doing the same thing. Jesus engages with the world, engaged with the world. 
He was casting out demons, healing the sick. And in the verses prior, say I just got a notification about fantasy football. Just bombarded all the time, even when teaching. But in the verses prior, we see that Jesus' day wasn't just, or the evening, wasn't just spent with healing the sick and casting out the demons. But in verse 21, we see they went to Capernaum. So he traveled. He traveled that day. He went into a synagogue, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. So in Jesus' day, he's teaching in the synagogue after traveling to Capernaum. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into the crowd and to the surrounding district of Galilee. Galilee. So before everything that takes place in verse 31, where the whole city comes, Jesus goes to Capernaum. He begins to teach in the synagogue. A demon-possessed person comes into the church, into the synagogue, disrupts everything, and Jesus casts him out. That's just the first part of his day. And then in the evening, everyone comes. He begins to cast out demons. He heals the sick. His 24 hours was just chocked full. And here I am thinking, I get really, really tired when I'm done doing this on a Sunday morning. But Jesus was just constantly engaged. Jesus was bombarded with life. And then we see in verse 35, the most important thing that he did. In the early morning, while it was still dark, I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning every day because I have to go to work. It is dark. The only, time, the only people that are awake at that point are probably going to be our one-year-old Hannah, because that kid just don't sleep. She was up like 13 times last night. I feel sorry for you, honey. I'm sorry. There's a good chance maybe one of our other two older girls are awake because they also just don't care about sleep. Pray for us. Just pray for us. But everyone, his disciples, everyone, they're still asleep. And Jesus saw a place of seclusion. But it wasn't just so that he could be alone with himself and his own thoughts, but really it was so that he could be alone with the Father so that he can encounter God and abide in his Father, so that he could commune and speak with his Father. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. When Jesus goes out and to find a secluded place. And there are many times within the Gospels that we see Jesus actually taking time to do this. In Mark alone, there are 15 different encounters or references of Jesus either already being in a secluded place with his disciples, because his disciples needed to commune with their Savior as well, or where he purposely leaves the crowded areas, usually either late at night, or in the morning, where he can eliminate all outside distractions to go and be alone and sit with his Father and pray. And then we see the distractions will come back. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. 
And he said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all of Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. See, Jesus' time in solitude, it's what filled him. Those moments where he stole away, got away from all the distractions that he was having to uh, engage with. People wanting to come get healing and cast out demons, which he loved to do. But even Jesus needed to make sure that he went away to be in quiet moments with the Father. It provided him an opportunity to rest and rejuvenate his body. Like I said, I get tired when I'm done doing this on a Sunday morning, when I help lead worship. I just get tired. I get tired at the end of my day at work as I engage with everything. Our bodies aren't a limited or a limitless just battery. We get depleted, we get tired, we get worn out. And Jesus would have been the same way. Yes, he was fully God, but yes, he was also fully human. He dealt with everything that we deal with. Him casting out demons and healing sick, there was power moving out of his body into those moments as the Holy Spirit is moving in him. So he would have been tired. He would have been exhausted at times. And when Jesus would go into the quiet to be with God, to be with his Father, it helped rejuvenate him. It helped fill his cup back up to where then he could go back and overflow to expand the kingdom, to spread the gospel, to continue to cast out demons, heal the sick, to establish who he was. It provided him time to be able to pray and communicate with the Father. And when he did that, it also provided him time to actually just sit and listen to what it was that the Father was wanting to speak to him. And oftentimes when he would come out of those times of seclusion, like we see in verse uh, 38, he would get direction as to what is the next step for us. Where is the next place that we need to go? Jesus had this model of retreat and then return. Retreat from everyday, the things that were happening in everyday life and then return to re-engage to spread his word, to spread his kingdom, expand it. Think about this way. What if? What if Jesus had lived in our time? If Jesus had a smartphone? If he had football to watch on Sundays? If he had every single distraction that we have to where we can pull ourselves away? What if Jesus had engaged in that stuff to where he didn't take the time to find a secluded place to physically go be with the father what if he had done that he modeled how we are to seek the father Jesus would bring all of himself in his moments of solitude. He let all the distractions go. He purposely wanted to go and sit at the Father's feet. And that would also just, that would include his lingering weariness and fatigue. The times in which he was healing those casting out demons. It cost him. It cost him his energy. But he would bring that to the Father. He would sit in the Father's presence, away from the outside distractions. And he would allow the Father to minister to him. And that included the weariness of his body. And then Jesus would return 
He would return to his ministry. He would return to his disciples. He would return to the community. He would return to the calling that he had from the Father. All to establish his kingdom and to spread the gospel. And it's not just Jesus who modeled this as well. We actually also see Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 have the same rhythm of retreat and then return. If you have a Bible, go ahead and flip to 1 Kings 19. Now, preface, this is a point where if you remember, Elijah has just had his uh, my God is better, bigger than your God encounter with Jezebel and Ahab. And so that's the context in which this moment takes place. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Just so that you know, Jezebel wasn't too pleased and happy about that. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of the one, uh, as a life of one of them by tomorrow this time. She wanted Elijah dead, killed. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested of himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I am not better than my father's. He spent a whole journey, or a whole day's journey, running from the ones that were trying to kill him. Did anyone do like, track cross country in high school in middle school elementary where you where you ran yeah yeah you're dog tired dog tired after just doing an 800 meter so that's two laps around the track because you're going really really fast or a mile or two miles or a 5k for cross country like you are just physically spent exhausted And Elijah was running the entire day, the entire day, to get away from Jezebel. He was just done, spent. He laid down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said, Arise, eat. And then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. When Elijah sought there's a book when elijah sought seclusion one for his life can't forget that fact but when he got to the place of seclusion out in the wilderness the first thing that he just does is he rests he sleeps and then the angel of the lord comes and tends to him in that moment of his body needing physical rejuvenation. He eats, drinks, and then goes back to sleep. In our times of solitude, it's okay for us to acknowledge that, do you know what, Lord, I'm tired. Yes, it's four o'clock in the morning, so that probably plays a part in it, but Lord, I'm just, I'm tired. I've been going all day, the day before. I didn't sleep well. Lord, I'm just exhausted. 
or I've got this pain in my back because I've got scoliosis and so when I lay down it doesn't feel good, when I stand up it doesn't feel good, my back hurts, I've got a tickle in my throat, whatever it is. It's okay to bring those things in with you to solitude. We are beings that are holistic. We are body, mind, and soul. And so at times when our bodies are not actually firing on all cylinders, it has an effect on our spirits. When I'm tired and when I'm hungry, so tired and hangry, I am not the best version of a husband. Sorry. I am not the best version of a father. I'm not the best version of a follower of Jesus in those times. And what solitude does, it provides an opportunity for us to pull away, sit at the feet of Jesus, and bring that to him. Lord, I am just tired. I worked a 60-hour week. I have nothing left in the tank. Lord, please take it. We're to follow this pattern that Jesus and Elijah models. We pull away from the outside world. Remove every distraction that we can. We seek his presence in solitude. And we can recognize what is felt within the body. And then we bring it to the Father. We allow the Father to take it. It's not a burden that we have to carry. Tired bodies will often equal an agitated spirit. I think all of us that have been tired and weary or hurting can probably attest to that as well. Sometimes I'm just super agitated and frustrated because I'm tired. And no amount of coffee will help undo that. And then after we spend time in solitude with our Father, then we return to our daily lives where we will hopefully, have been filled up enough to be a light to the world, to spread the gospel of Christ to those that need to hear it. We show his love. We show his kindness, his compassion. So we're to make that a daily rhythm for us in our life. Solitude doesn't have to be moments where you're away for two, three, five, a whole day. If you want to, you can. Unfortunately, I can't do that. I've got three kids and a wife that probably wouldn't appreciate that. But we can just start small. And so this, we, this is where typically in our times in which we're going through a spiritual practice or discipline, whichever one you want to call it, in our contending communities, we would actually lay outline practices or things that we can do to model this. We're not going to wait until then. I'm going to give it to you now. So if you have pen, paper, get it ready to jot this down. Here's our practical practice for this week. Start your day with finding a secluded place we have to often actually just remove our bodies from all of the distractions and chaos in our normal world, in our normal life. That probably would include the phone as well. So don't take your phone with you into your secluded time. You'll just get dings and pings and chimes and whatever it else is that will pull you out of it. But maybe for you, a perfect time, if you can kind of multitask like this, I've done it, is your commute to work. If you drive to work for any length amount of time, spend part of that or all of it. Don't have music playing. Don't listen to the podcast that you want to listen to. 
even though you may want to listen to, you know, NPR or I don't know what anyone listens to nowadays for podcasts. Aside from I listen to a lot of sports ones, but but don't don't do what you normally would do with that. Let it be a time of quiet, stillness. You can still focus on driving, but don't have anything else coming in that will take your attention away. Or maybe it's your bathroom time. Instead of sending reels on Instagram to your buddies or your wife, just sit in silence. Sit at the Father's feet. Or maybe it'll be before you get out of bed, before you're fully out of bed. Don't be like 89%, what was it 89% or 90? 89, thank you, Ozzy. Don't be like the 89% of us that will check it within the first 10 minutes. And if some of us are honest, it's probably the first thing that we do. But when you first wake up, you can turn the alarm off. But just sit or lay, actually. Lay in bed. Be in a moment of solitude. You're removing all of the outside distractions. And so yes, it likely will mean that you have to physically put yourself in a place where you cannot be distracted. Parents, do the best that you can with little ones. Ask, ask your spouse to take the kids for five, ten minutes so that you can go and have a time of solitude. But then I want you to begin to slowly breathe in and breathe out a breath prayer. The point of solitude isn't to fill it up with things that we can pour into ourselves. Like my morning routine typically is I will, I've been not reading my Bible, but I've been listening to my Bible. First thing I'll do. I'm a visual person, but I wanted to shake things up and be more auditory for it. But the first things I'll do is I will listen to the Bible. And before we had started this, or before preparing for the solitude practice, I would maybe spend some time in prayer, of just saying my prayers to the Lord. And then I'd, you know, watch YouTube and watch videos of either apologetics or cars, people doing crazy stuff. But as I begin to prepare for this, I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to listen to scripture, and then I'm just going to sit. And I'm going to breathe a breath prayer. For me, it's typically, come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And as I'm doing that, I'm beginning to mentally just push to the side all the things that have been popping up in my head that morning. Things I got to do, my to-do list. It's going to be a rough day at work. I'm not letting myself think and dwell on those things. Instead, all I'm doing, I'm clearing that space out and I'm just anchoring on, come Holy Spirit. Or maybe you want to pray, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Breathe a breath prayer that will help you just focus and center in on your God, and then help yourself to push everything to the side, everything else. Those worries, they will come back. Don't worry, it's okay. But take a few minutes and then just sit. Strive to start five minutes. It's not a high bar. It's 100% attainable. Toby made a joke that he was proud that he got two minutes. When I started, I was proud that I got one without having other things come in. Five minutes. It's the time of one song. But instead of listening to that song, just sit. Breathe a breath prayer. Come Holy Spirit. I love you, Jesus. Focus on Him. 
and then allow the Spirit to speak. The point of this is to make yourself open and ready to receive whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to you. And you can bring in those times the fatigue that you have, especially if you're doing this first thing in the morning or you decide to end your day with it as well. Because if you end your day with it, I know you're going to be tired. Especially if you work a manual labor job, you're going to be tired. Or you're running around after kids, you're going to be tired. We are tired people. We face fatigue and we're in... Um, yeah. We're tired people. It's okay to bring that to him. It's encouraged. When you sit and you're like, do you know what, Lord? My back is just killing me. For those that are sick, in your silence, in your solitude, recognize what's happening within your body and the distractions and bring it to his feet. And then just sit and wait. Wait for him to speak to you. Wait for that still, small whisper of the Holy Spirit. And if he doesn't in those five minutes, do you know what? It's okay. It's okay. When I tried doing this on one of my commutes to work, as, we were, as I was beginning to prepare for this, there was one of the times, I've only done it twice on my commute to work because that's it's a long time and I haven't worked the, you know, the muscles up to do that consistently all the time. I'm usually good at like the 10 minute mark. But there was one morning as I'm driving into work and I'm about to get onto I-84 to start heading east. And that entire time I heard nothing. I heard nothing. And there was a moment where, yes, I was discouraged. Like, Lord, why didn't you speak? And so I just decided, you know what? For the rest of the drive, I'm just going to speak in my prayer language. I'm just going to engage my spirit. And I'm going to be in your presence in that moment. There was another time that I was driving, the other time I tried this. And it took until, I heard nothing, until... I got to the bridge, I-5 bridge, for reference. And all, all I heard, it was small, but it was faithful. And then I remembered how faithful God has been to me, to my family, to this body. He has been faithful. Faithful. And, and one of the other times that it wasn't planned, it wasn't intentional, but this week, earlier this week, I think it was on Monday when we actually had a nice sunny day out, I was standing on the street while the kids are playing on their scooters and I'm holding Hannah. She just snuggled up right into me. It was a little chilly, so I had her wrapped up in a blanket, but she snuggled up, put her head right on my shoulder in between my neck and just snuggled in right up to me. And then I just sat there. just sat there and was silent. And then I saw and I remembered that the love that my daughter has for me and I for her, how much greater is the love that the Father has for me? How much greater is, is his love? And all the other distractions I was able to just, in that moment, just push away. Because I was silent. I was just waiting, sitting, well, standing technically, but just being at his feet. It doesn't have to be for a whole day. It doesn't have to be for a whole hour. Just five minutes. Each day this week, take five minutes. Remove yourself from all the outside distractions. Sit in silence, in the quiet, and just wait for him to speak. 
Make yourself available. That's the point. Make yourself available. Present your body to be available to him. And we're going to try that right now. We're going to take one minute and just be silent. Sit at his feet. So if you need to, if you need to get up and you need to move to a different part of the room, you're welcome to, you're free to. Or you can just sit right where you're at. Close your eyes. Push everything out. Push the distractions out. Make your body available, comfortable, to just be in quiet solitude with him for a minute. That's all we're going to take, 60 seconds. Thank you, Jesus. Let you meet us in our moments of quiet, in our moments of solitude. Lord, we just want to make space for you to speak to us. We want to make space to just be in your presence. To not allow the distractions of life to control us, but to be filled by your Spirit so that we can engage our daily lives and look more like you. Lord, help us this week as we work and we flex this muscle, as we work on this practice. Lord, may each and every person here have rejuvenating moments of solitude with you. Would you encourage them to bring what it is that they're feeling within their bodies? the tiredness, the pain, the fatigue, the sickness. Would you just take it? Take it and then fill their cup with your spirit. Because they're being intentional with just wanting to sit and abide at your feet. have you be the only input into their lives in that moment. God, we know that you're faithful and that you will meet us in our times of solitude. Help us to ignore the lies of the enemy if there are days and mornings or evenings in which we don't hear you speak. 
because we didn't hear you speak in that moment doesn't mean that you weren't with us in that, in that time. We know that you were with us. Your spirit dwells within each and every believer. Lord, we do ask that you would speak because we desperately just want to hear your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. As we begin to start our last bit of worship, this is your first time here. We have a an open table for communion for you to take the bread dip it into the juice as a representation of Jesus' body being broken for us his blood shed for us to cover our sins if you need more time to just sit at his feet to listen to his spirit speak to you or you need prayer. We have a prayer area in the back. You can get to the stairs over here. I will warn, it's a little toasty. It's hot back there, but it's open, available for you for prayer. Before you take the cup and the bread, and if you have things that you need to get right with the Lord, take care of business with him before you take the cup and the bread. If you don't want to have this bread, we also have individual packets in the back for those that don't want this one. It's fine. You have options. All right. Let's continue to sit at his feet, worship him. Let whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is wanting to seal in each and every one of us, do so. And then go about your week this week Put your hand in the mud. Try solitude. What do you have to lose? Nothing. But you have everything to gain. Let's worship. <laughs>